the fact that you're staring at somebody else already has you on edge. I get it. Uh, I really do. Uh, sometimes people are surprised when I tell them I'm an introvert as well. Um, maybe not as extreme as some of you, but I like my alone time and the thought of staring across at someone is a little um, uncomfortable. I get it. Uh, but there's motive behind that madness for us this day. This, um, this power of looking across the table and you've heard me say it before, but looking across the table uh, at someone whom either maybe you don't even know or for whom that you know your politics differ vastly, your thoughts on God differ vastly, um, and, to, and to look across them and have to look across uh, the representation of the blood and the body of Christ uh, it has a way of kind of stopping all those judgments. This idea that, you know, I, I can't shoot across at my brother Dan and have anything between him and I because as it goes across, it has to stop at the table and the presence of Christ has a way of sort of stopping all of that and I just see my brother in Christ. And so uh, let us lean into each other's stories over these next few moments. It may be that two of you share and that's what God had in store and then we'll take communion and we'll call it a day. Maybe that 10 of you um, have something to share. What, what I have found, though, in these moments of sharing to be um, really universal is if your palms are sweaty right now and your heart is racing and you're nervous, it's probably not that you're over-caffeinated. It's probably that you're supposed to share a little something. Uh, you don't need to be articulate uh, and you don't need to share for a long time. Uh, please don't share for a long time. <laughs> Just get to it. All right, so uh, Josh is gonna run around with a mic. You slip your hand up when you're ready to share. What's God been teaching you? What's, what's God been seeing you through? And it, it may well be incomplete at this point, and that's wonderful. Morning, folks. Is this thing on? Oh, good, it's on. Hey, so I was gonna um, say something this morning, and then all of a sudden I got this little whisper that said, I should just read this verse, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Um, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I just felt like there was, there was someone that needed to hear that, that the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ is just very light and easy. And that's it. Let's go around there. Does anybody have anything to say about what's God been whispering in your ear? Oh, Carrig, my son. Make it quick, son. I think God has been teaching me that it's good to be helpful to people, and um, uh, yeah. You're here, son. Very well. All right. Thank you. Oh, Judah, just wait, Judah. Let somebody else go. He's open. That's fine. Let's see. Who's got something? Oh, there's Michelle. I would say it's a coincidence, but really it's the Holy Spirit because I was going to share that same verse from, from Matthew, but in the message version, which says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I think this year I've just been learning a lot about how when you walk with Jesus, your burdens are lighter because he, he carries them with you, but also because 
you learn to live the way he did and not carry unnecessary burdens that we put on ourselves. Um, so. Right on, soul sister. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, hey, Charmaine. Good morning. Um, I've been here for about four years in California, but two years in the Sacramento area, and I really didn't want to be here. Um, I'm from the East Coast, and that's where my family and my friends and my support system is, but God brought me here for a reason. Um, his ways are not our ways. His plans are not our plans. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and I realized that on Christmas um, in October, a good friend of mine, um, her son passed away, and um, we went to Mississippi to... Um, celebrate his life. She came back here to California. We're both in, well, part of the military. I'm retired now and she is active. She works in the San Jose area. Anyway, when she came back to California, she couldn't stay in her house because of the memory of her son. She liked some of his present, but some of it kept her up um, late at night. So um, I asked her what she was doing for Christmas, whether or not she was going back home to Mississippi, and she wasn't able to. However, she was able to come to my place. Since I've been here, my place has been smaller than whatever I had in a long period of time. But waking up on Christmas morning and being able to share what I had with her um, for us to do the things that we needed to do for take her mind off of her situation or for us just to watch movies and still talk about her son. I believe that's why God had me here. And so no matter what you're going through, just like the different um, versions of the scripture that was just read, when we put our burdens down on God and allow him to use us in the way that he wants to use us, it may not make sense to us, but later on, it makes sense to him. And then through him, it makes sense to us. <laughs> That's good. That's super good. So this one over here is from Micah 7, 19 through 20. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet, throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Through our sins in the depths of the ocean. That's awesome. Anybody next? Oh, Judah. All right, it's fine. What is it, Judah? I think. <laughs> All right. So I thought it was going to be. That's fine. That's all right. Let's see. Somebody's thinking about it. Tom. So this isn't fully formed by um, what Kerrig and Michelle uh, and you shared um, with uh, Matthew and the burden being light that actually lined up with where my head initially went. So I feel like I have to share it now. So I blame you guys. Thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know what I do, I work with basically the hardest population in the state in, psycho in psychology. I work with foster youth who can't be maintained in a home. So, um, like, they're in and out of psych hospitals, AWOL, they're running away, using drugs. You know, basically, these are kids who have nothing going for them. And um, my job is I actually work with a therapist. I work with them. 
And I really see my job as taking care of the therapists that are taking care of them so they can kind of do everything. And um, where my mind went today was how a lot of my conversations are about self-care and, you know, because of my line of work and federal funding and blah, 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 all that, uh, my first line can't usually be, you know, Jesus. But for several of those who I oversee and that I do, you know, that I do the support with, um, eventually that ends up coming up at some point. Um, I, you know, I, I usually mention in generalities, spirituality, those kind of things. But for a lot of them, they end up asking me, like, so how do you continue to do this? How do you continue to be in this field and be beaten down and, be, you know, feel all this stuff on you and this burden? And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's my faith and that through all that, um, even though it is such a heavy thing because of Jesus and because of my relationship and my faith, that burden is lightened ex extremely. So, um, again, not fully formed, but I blame you, Josh. <laughs> That's fine. Let's come on back over this way. Colossians 1, 19 through 23. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through God, he reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Praise God. That's good. Oh, it's my mom. Jeez, it's my, my whole family's just on it today. Uh, I just want to give praise and thanks to the Lord because my mom turned 100 years old. And I had the, the blessing of going to Florida and celebrating with her and have the full assurance that she'll be with the Lord in heaven. And I'll see her again along with my sister and the other saints have, that have died in Jesus Christ. So it's a real blessing. It's a super blessing. Oh, I already went, son. I'm not going to go again. It's nice to just kind of sit in God's presence and know that we have salvation. Isaiah 54, it says, uh, verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And uh, for me, 2019 was a, a lot of opportunity uh, to be stretched and to grow. Um, some that was tough, some that I'm still in process of. And what I learned this year is that I have a lot more to learn, right? Um, that there's always more of God. And whenever you feel like you've come to a place that you've kind of, you feel like there's, you're not going another step, you're not taking another, uh, a mountain that, uh, maybe it's time to sit back and go, God, I know there's more. I, I know that throughout 2019 as a community, we've talked about a few things, whether it be 
just recently talking about the names of God and all that God says he is and who he is to earlier on in the season talking about um, this big picture being painted of this mansion of God and the doors that uh, that we can open as, as we pursue him, as we go after him. And so uh, 2020 is my heart is to explore some new doors and to explore his presence in, a, in new ways and to enlarge the tent, so to speak, and see what God has. So, Any last calls? Anybody else? Oh, another little one. What's up, little one? What are you thinking? Um... I know it's tough sometimes. Get on the get on the hot mic. All these kids are just all over the place. Want to talk about? Praise God. I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll let the parents deal with that one. I don't know. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up then. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great year. I think 2020 is going to be magnificent. Yeah. So uh, we, we now come to the table, and um, there are those things that we shared that God's been doing in our life, and um, those things that we left unshared, and then there's kind of that third category of stuff uh, that God's up to and we don't know about it yet, or maybe even in these moments, you've uh, begun to feel that slight discomfort of, I don't really know what God's doing in my life. I've been spending most of my time trying to keep my head above water and trying to make all the ends meet in life, and I'm not sure God's been doing anything in my life. Uh, and, and if that's where you find yourself today, would you feel, I hope, uh, the gentle encouragement from the Holy Spirit to say, uh, here I am, God, begin to communicate what you're up to in my life. Uh, bend your ear, if you will, to what God is up to. Uh, Jesus arrives at the table for that last supper with his disciples. And it's a really interesting meal. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe not. But if not, I'd encourage you to look it up. I'm referencing from Matthew 26, some of that meal. And I won't highlight the entire meal, but a fascinating meal as Jesus arrives and a number of different dynamics are at play at the meal, most of which strongly demonstrate how coming up short we are as people in the presence of God. These guys arrive in the presence of Jesus for this one last meal and they get pretty distracted pretty easily from the presence of their savior and end up arguing about who's the greatest. Uh, they race by the customary bowl at the door where they would be expected to wash their own feet on this special night because the servants have the night off and they race past the bowl where they would clean their feet and they trample their dirty, muddy feet across a borrowed house so that they can race to get the best seat at the table to sit next to Jesus. Then they argue about who's best. And uh, then Jesus calls out Judas as being the one who would betray. And then Jesus has this really weird interaction with Peter where Peter says, no, 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 you can't wash my feet, remember? And, and Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't belong to me. And so then Peter says, then wash every bit of me. And Jesus goes, all right, settle down, Turbo. Uh, just this really weird, uh, awkward meal. 
And all of it is in preparation for Jesus to head off to the cross. And again, he arrives at the cross and misunderstandings prevail. And they continue to prevail even in the midst of us uh, this day as followers of Jesus to some extent. These misunderstandings of who Jesus is and why he went off to the cross. Or at least, maybe if it's not a misunderstanding, it's not a full understanding. We have this one understanding of the cross as being this place Jesus had to go for the wrath of God to be poured out on sin. Theological circles, it's uh, called substitutionary atonement. Big long word. We've actually added to that penal substitutionary atonement. Say that one at work tomorrow. See where it gets you, right? But this idea behind it is this idea that the substitution had to be made. Like Adam and Eve in the garden after they had lost their innocence and a sacrifice had to be made to cover the sin. And all of this is powerful and true. But there's another picture of what went on in the mystery of the Trinity on that night and in the days to come. We sang of it today. We speak of it often. But this representation of his blood spilled and his body broken drives home this other picture of not just the substitutionary atonement of Christ, that he atoned our sin by taking our place on the cross, which is all true, but the other picture, which is Jesus claimed victory over death. So you have substitutionary atonement. You also have this other concept, which again, this will impress people around your cubicle tomorrow. Christus victor is what we call it in theological circles. That Christ had victory. That at that table that night, he's looking at all of this hodgepodge collection of sinful, selfish young men. And he's saying, guys, I'm about to declare victory over death. I'm about to declare victory over sin. I'm about to declare victory over depression. I'm about to declare victory over loneliness. I'm about to declare victory over disease. I'm about to declare victory over separation. I'm about to declare victory over loss and over death and over all things that keep us from the presence of Christ. So stand to your feet, if you would, with me. And uh, over the next few minutes, Calvin's uh, just gonna play and sing quietly for us. And my encouragement to you is uh, when you're ready to come grab a cracker, don't eat it just yet. We will kind of wait for the moment to rise up when we'll all come back together and eat the cracker together. But I, I wanna challenge you to come get the cracker right away and to hold it in your hand and feel it, the representation of the presence of Christ. And as Josh uh, so perfectly displayed, there's some scriptures around the room. Maybe for you, you wanna take that cracker and go over to a station and read the scripture. Or maybe you wanna sit at your seat and just reflect for a minute. Maybe you wanna sing, whatever you'd like to do. So uh, come get a cracker, don't eat it just yet. And then we'll uh, come back together after a moment of reflection and take and eat together.
You can grab just a cracker for now. We'll come back for the juice in a minute or two. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with his 12 disciples. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will, in fact, betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays. It would be far better for that man if he had simply never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Take and eat the body of Christ broken for our sin. Now in much the same way when you're ready come to the table and uh, grab a little cup of juice. And again, if you haven't read one of the scriptures and would like to take a second there, take that. If you want to just grab a juice and sit and reflect for a moment, do that. But wait to drink the juice until we're all back together and we'll drink together. Go ahead, take and find juice.
died and then you rose again for me Now you are sitting on your heavenly throne Soon we will be coming home Your Well, Matthew 26 goes on, and in verse 27, it reads this, and he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to the 12, and he said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Hold your cup in the air, if you will. This represents the blood of Christ shed for us to stand as a substitute for our sin and yet also and equally so to declare victory over death and sin and to offer victory to you and I. So we drink this in reverence, but we also drink it in celebration that victory has been claimed in the name of Jesus for you and I. Take and drink the blood of Christ.